Hello, I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. So, you know, I've been encountering lately a number of cases in the office, and it made me say, yeah, yeah, you know, I want to tell listeners about this, make sure they're aware of how this works in Jersey, how people can lose their gun rights and not even realize it. They don't just don't they just don't understand the system. It's never explained by anyone clearly about how it impacts on gun owners. Uh, you know, you may hear tidbits here and there. You may know, hey, this happens or that, but you're not sure. I want to explain to you one of the many methods that New Jersey uses to steal people's guns and to disenfranchise them of their gun rights. Now, like any anti-gun movement, any of their emotional uh, machinations where they utilize hosts to get their way, they find a host subject that they then capitalize on to utilize to attack our right to keep and bear arms. And even though the host itself may in fact have a legitimate basis for its existence, they combine it with rabid anti-gun policies. So now it has an entirely new creation to basically F with gun owners. And one of the areas that does this is New Jersey's domestic violence laws. Now, as soon as you talk about domestic violence laws, you're talking about a very sensitive, politically sensitive area. And it's up there with uh, drunk driving, etc. You start talking about these things, and it is uh, always uh, highly charged emotions by advocates that fight for these issues. And I want to say, I understand that there are genuine domestic violence issues. I am against anyone abusing anybody, period. None of this is to belittle or in any way um, reduce a true victims of domestic violence nor the legal recourse that they should be able to have to protect themselves. I'm completely sympathetic with anybody who is a genuine victim of this, as I would be for anyone who's a genuine victim of crime or anyone who is victimized by anything that shouldn't be victimizing people. And that includes people that are victims of New Jersey gun law. And see, that's where the victimization of gun owners gets put into a law designed to end the victimization of people who are abused by domestic violence abusers. And that's where we have some conflict. And to understand this system is important as a gun owner so you'd end up victimized in this situation. Now, anyone who is, you know, truly a victim of, of domestic violence, I'm glad that there's mechanisms for them to seek help, and there should be. But the problem is that the domestic violence laws 
are extremely broad in their application. And then capitalizing on that factor, the antis have created a disqualifier that is based on individuals that have a domestic violence either restraining order or domestic violence misdemeanor conviction. Now traditionally the prohibited persons that were folks that were not allowed to have firearms were violent felons, okay? And this is something that for many, many years there's been a prohibition, you know, for violent felons having guns. And then what we saw was violent felons being expanded to, well, any felon virtually. And in New Jersey, it's so expanded to include many, many felony level offenses that are not violent felonies, but nonetheless, you get disenfranchised of your gun rights. So it's a slippery slope. And the disqualifiers that started out originally violent felons and felons generally, well, you see an expansion of disabilities, an expansion of disqualified persons so that it's grown and grown and grown so that now misdemeanants, not just people convicted of felonies, but individuals convicted of misdemeanors that involve domestic violence become prohibited persons in the same way that a felon is a prohibited person. And so the expansion of the disqualifier became an expansion of the class of persons that can be disenfranchised, you see. And so, interestingly, for example, if you're convicted of a misdemeanor crime of domestic violence, which in New Jersey would be a disorderly person's offense, for let's say simple assault, okay, which is the low level of assault, right, where you pushed somebody or maybe punched somebody or slapped somebody, or, you know, that kind of an assault took place. Well, that's, that's a lower level simple assault. And so if that's committed against somebody who qualifies as a, quote, victim of domestic violence, and let me just say, that very term victim is the label in law already given before it's been proven that the person is a victim, you see. And so they're called victims from the beginning, whether you get convicted and there's an actual victim or not. They're just victims. That's who the law is for. And if you're convicted of domestic violence upon the person who meets that definition of victim, and that is essentially someone who is a spouse or former uh, person that you had a dating relationship with or somebody who's former household member or current of course current dating relationship current household member current spouse if it's in that class then that becomes the prohibited act 
of domestic violence that creates the disqualifier. And so, for example, if you punched your spouse or pushed your spouse and you're convicted of that as a misdemeanor crime of domestic violence, what New Jersey would call disorderly person's offense, you lose your gun rights. But if you go around every day just punching strangers in the street, you know, stranger after stranger, just sucker punching them day and night, and it's just simple assault after simple assault, you're fine. You can have all the guns you want. And so the distinction is based on the alleged status of the victim, no longer the act. And from that, we actually see yet an expansion further to individuals who have a restraining order on them that arises out of domestic violence. And by the way, domestic violence restraining order, which is civil in nature, it isn't even criminal, it's civil, where you're civilly restrained from having contact with the person, from getting within a certain distance to the person, from being in a household with the person, etc. There's all kinds of restraints that can be placed upon you in a civil domestic violence restraining order. If you have that, then that itself is now a disqualifier. And it's a civil restraining order that restrains you. It did not have any of the protections of criminal due process, all right? The issuance of these restraining orders, there's no jury trial on the issuance. It's done by a judge. The burden of proof is quite low for them to get issued. There's no discovery process. There's no interrogatories. There's no depositions. It's done rather quickly, and they are known as a summary hearing. They're summary in nature. And if you get slapped with this restraining order that's done in this summary nature without any of the due process protections that would normally exist even in a criminal matter, even in a lower-level criminal matter, by the way, you're now a prohibited person. You're now prohibited from having firearms. And there's a case that the Supreme Court has recently chosen to review to test that very principle. Does a civil restraining order, uh, does that actually disenfranchise someone of their rights? Is that constitutional under the Second Amendment? And we'll be seeing more about that case. But just to show you how it expanded and progressed to just a method of creating new categories of disqualified persons. So in New Jersey, when a domestic violence restraining order is issued, it begins as what's called a TRO or temporary restraining order. The temporary gets issued without any input from the defendant. So the plaintiff, who is normally the alleged victim, has to first meet the definition of victim that we determined, that we just discussed, and as long as it's that spouse or boyfriend, girlfriend, or current or former household member, etc., then all they need to allege at a standard approved civil, and this is ex parte, meaning without the defendant even present, 
is that a predicate act of domestic violence occurred. Now, what's a predicate act? A predicate act is a list of criminal offenses that are considered to be domestic violence offenses that are now utilized in the issuance of the civil restraining order. So if you committed, let's say, the elements of aggravated assault that would be criminal, then that can be alleged in a domestic violence restraining order as a predicate act at a civil burden of proof, at a civil standard, in a summary hearing without any of the other due process requirements. And that creates a gun disqualifier. And that's all it takes. Now, the gamut of predicate domestic violence offenses, the, 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 the scale runs from very serious criminal type actions in this civil sense, you know, uh, even you know, very serious assaults, et cetera, even up to uh, uh, sexual assault, all those terrible things, all the way down to what in New Jersey is a petty disorderly person's offense, the lowest level of offense, petty disorderly persons. It's a type of offense that's heard in, in the lowest courts, and it is something that normally only has up to 30 days max jail as a sentence. And that offense includes harassment, for example. Harassment. A charge of harassment is domestic violence. It's enough for domestic violence. So if a person meets the standard of being a victim and they can allege harassment, then they can have a restraining order issued. And what's the essence of harassment? Well, the essence of harassment is pretty simple. It's doing something with the purpose to annoy. That's it. Committing these acts with purpose to annoy, that's the essence of it. So I know that none of you have ever annoyed your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend. Because if you've annoyed them with purpose, then you've committed arguably harassment, and that's all that's needed so that a restraining order can issue against you. And if the TRO issues against you, then you're going to have a hearing to see if it should be made final, where all kinds of restraints can be placed against you. And the kicker is, of course, from the beginning of the TRO through to the FRO, you're now disqualified from having guns anywhere in the United States. Now, on top of that, when the TRO issues literally baked right into the cake, right into the forms for the TRO, is a warrant to search and seize. And all the judge has to do is check that box, fill in a few lines for search and seizure, sign off on that, and boom. Now your privacy is invaded, your home is searched, firearms taken. This happens routinely, routinely on a civil matter done ex parte without you having any participation, simply based on those allegations, alleging a predicate act of the most of the lowest level that New Jersey has to offer, and boom, you're getting searched and your guns are taken. And now, even after, let's just assume you get that TRO and it gets dismissed, now you have to fight to get your guns back. 
And this is where it really becomes precarious and where individuals can lose their gun rights and not even know it. And I'm going to tell you what the government doesn't even tell individuals when they are at these weapon forfeiture hearings. I'm going to tell you their little secret when we come back from the break. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law. A bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey, welcome back to Gun Lawyer. I'm Evan Knappen. Thank you for being a listener. I really appreciate the ability to spread the word, get the information out to you so you know what the truth is and what you can do to protect yourself. The knowledge is the key. Help making this show possible are our great sponsors, which include the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs, the New Jersey Association of Rifle and Pistol Clubs is the premier gun rights group in New Jersey. They are the NRA affiliate for New Jersey. They're an umbrella organization of gun clubs, but you join as an individual member. And they are the voice in Trenton for the gun owner. They're there with full-time paid lobbyists. They're there in the courts litigating as we speak over the carry killer law, assault firearms, large capacity magazines, all kinds of gun issues. They're there litigating for us, watching the legislature, lobbying the legislature, and letting their members know when there's any issue. They send out great email alerts. They have a fantastic newsletter. You need to be a member of the association. And I know you've heard me say this, but it's absolutely true. It's the minimum you can do. I'm not telling you what the maximum you can do. And there's other gun groups, too, you should be part of. I'm not saying don't belong to them, too. But I'll tell you right now. You live in New Jersey, and you care about guns, and you don't belong to the state association, then I don't have much respect for you, honestly. Because you're not doing your part. Be part of the solution. Go to anjrpc.org. Not only will you help the cause, but you're going to help yourself. Because they're going to help keep you on top of things. And you're going to know what's going on. It's critical that you become and remain a member of ANJRPC.org, the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs. 
Our other fine sponsor is We Shoot. We Shoot is a range in Lakewood, indoor target range, a great resource, a place you can go and shoot. And, you know, it's tough in New Jersey to find great places to shoot. And here's a super conveniently located We Shoot right there in Lakewood. Great facility, fantastic staff for training. They can get you certified to get your carry permit. They can take the most novice shooter and teach you what you need to know to the most advanced. They have great trainers. Everybody loves them. They do a fantastic job. And really, you need to check out We Shoot. And We Shoot, by the way, has been running some uh, great specials and sales. And one of their sales is they have uh, 12% off all 9mm firearms. And the great thing about We Shoot Sales is if you go in there and you have a firearms ID card, and let's say you find a 9mm handgun and it's on sale, it's an unbeatable price, you're like, this is great, I want to get it, but I don't have my pistol purchase permit yet. As long as you have that firearms ID card, they'll hold it for you for, for 90 days, special price. Go get your permit done, and you can go get your great deal on the gun. The other thing they're running is they're running um, a 20% off their flagship carry class. So you want to take this carry class, you want to get USCCA, NJ uh, certification for your carry, they're offering it. So you get that flagship class, it's 20% off, and it's exclusively being offered through Gun Lawyer. You can get that 20% off, and I'm going to give you the special promo code it's gun lawyer 20 that's right gun lawyer 20 you go to we shoot tell me you want their flagship carry class you want to get your carry permit certification you want to take that class learn what you need to know to protect yourself and get your license and you can get 20 percent off because you're a gun lawyer listener and just give them that promo code gun lawyer 20 check out we shoot at we shoot USA.com, beautiful website, magnificent photography, really just great place, great people. I'm really proud to be associated with those fine folks at We Shoot. Let me also take a moment now to shamelessly plug my book, which I love to do. Uh, the New Jersey Gun Law book is out, the 25th anniversary edition. I'm like, oh my God, 25 years with this book. It's amazing. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of man hours. It's honestly a labor of love, folks, because uh, if I look at what I make on, I can make more money at McDonald's these days. And that's not about the money. It's about getting the word out, making it so folks understand the gun laws, so they can protect themselves, that so you have that resource, the Bible of Jersey gun law, used by thousands of individuals throughout New Jersey. It's that big orange book. It's over 500 pages. It's 120 gun law topics, Jersey-specific, all in question and answer format so you can easily understand. And the best thing about the new book is that QR code right on the front. Scan that QR code, and you subscribe for free to all the updates. You get email alerts from me as soon as there's an update. You get access to the archive. You can immediately download that update. And therefore, your book stays current. You want to know what the current sensitive places are? 
buy my book, scan the code, you'll know exactly what it is. Normally, within 24 hours of any gun law change, of any case coming down, of anything that affects New Jersey gun owners, anything that changes within 24 hours, I'm getting that alert out so that my dedicated readers and listeners have that information. And it's free. Just hit that QR code, subscribe, and you will be on top of it. Between the Association of Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs and my alerts as well, you're going to be in the know. You're going to be in the know, and it makes Jersey shenanigans manageable that they try to pull on gun owners because this is a lot of flux here about things that are changing and not changing. And people want to know. I can give you the answers. Here's where you'll find them. Ask anyone who has a copy of the book how much they use it, how much they love it how dedicated they are to uh, to having that handy. I mean, it is a fact, and I'm proud because of it. I really am, because it's made a difference, made a big difference, protecting my fellow brothers and sisters that cherish their gun rights. And speaking of brothers and sisters that cherish gun rights, my firm is hiring. I'm looking to hire another lawyer. We're growing Jersey's insane, and of course we're growing, and I need to hire another attorney. If you've got some uh, experience as an attorney and you've been interested in gun law, you're into Second Amendment issues, you want to join the gun lawyer here, learn to practice uh, even better, find out all the kind of cool stuff that we do and how we save our gun rights. If you're interested in that, Contact me at my law office or just send me an email at evan at evannappin.com. Go right to the website, evannappin.com. There's contact info. Get a hold of me. Send me your resume. I'm looking to hire folks that love this issue and are interested in this very issue. So what is the little secret that New Jersey doesn't want folks to know? That little secret is there's another provision when it comes to the seizure of firearms under the domestic violence restraining order law. And that provision says that anybody who's had guns seized pursuant to domestic violence and has not had those firearms returned is a prohibited person. That's right. You become the equivalent of a convicted felon, essentially, you cannot possess guns anymore. If you do, it's a crime. You can't get a license. You're disenfranchised of your gun rights, and they don't even tell you that. Because what happens is if your guns get taken and then folks get a call you know, from like prosecutor's investigator or whoever, and they say, hey, listen, we're such nice folks. We'll let you sell your guns to a dealer, and you get the money. You agree to that, and those guns will get returned to you. You now have lost your gun rights. And they don't tell you you lose your gun rights. The judge won't tell you you lose your gun rights. You'll just be the person who had the gun seized and not returned. And now that's a prohibitor. It's a prohibitor under the license provision. It's a prohibitor in the criminal law for anyone who possesses. So let's say all they took was some crappy 12-gauge top brake shotgun beat up piece of junk, basically, that you couldn't even get 20 bucks for at a gun buyback. 
And you say, I don't need to waste a day at work to get that back. Keep it. You do that, eh, you've now lost your gun rights because you had guns seized and not returned. Don't fall for that trap, folks. Anytime the government takes your guns and you have the right to a hearing to fight to get your guns, remember, what you're fighting for is your gun rights. And you've got to fight to get your guns back. You've got to fight to get your gun rights restored and not taken away and not lost over this type of law that does way more than just forfeit your property. It removes your rights. And it does it with no due process because they don't tell you, they don't warn you that not getting your guns back is a disqualifier. So much so that if you look at a gun application today, an application for a carry license, application for a firearms ID card, pistol purchase permit, Nowhere on there is there even a question that asks, have you ever had guns seized and, and not returned? Yet it's an actual disqualifier with all the other ones, but they don't even ask it. You know why? Because if everybody knew this, everybody would fight to get their guns back. If it was on those applications and on the certificate of eligibility You'd be listening to this show right now and you'd go, hey, Knappen, I knew that. I read it on the form. But most of you listeners say, what? If you have guns seized and not returned, you don't get your guns back? I didn't know that. How come you didn't know that? Yeah, because they don't want you to know it till it's too late. And then you end up like a case. Here's one I had where the guy gave up his gun, got the money, went out hunting with a friend, borrowed a shotgun, which you're allowed to do while hunting unless you're disqualified, had a minor hunting violation, they ran him, guess what? Oh, he's had guns seized but not returned. Now he's facing very serious felony-level charges for possessing a gun since he had guns seized and not returned and had no clue about that bombshell waiting to go off. But you, my listeners, do know it now. You know. You ever get your guns taken, you fight to get them back, it's critical. It is the most important thing, if you care about your gun rights, to make sure you don't lose your guns. Now, I have gotten some interesting letters. I always love letters, the Ask Evan letters, and I have some of them here. Let me take a look. Oh, here's a good one from Nick. Regarding youth sporting events, I know I, we can't carry at a youth sport event, but can I have my gun locked in my car in my safe? Yes, youth sporting events are a sensitive place. And until we win the carry lawsuit, you cannot have your firearm at a youth sporting event. And it's clear in the law that anytime you enter any sensitive place, you're allowed in the parking lot of that sensitive place to take your gun, unload it, lock it in a securely locked container, slide it under the seat, use one of those gun safes so you can lock it, unload it in your car, have the ammunition separate, Just put that in a separate container. Now you're absolutely 100% within what the law requires, and you, you even demonstrated what a responsible gun owner you are by having a, a bona fide 
car gun safe. Look, folks, you invest all this money in your license, in your ammo, in your training, in your gun, all this. You're not going to spend, what, less than 50 bucks so you can have the right gun safe for your car? Come on. And it's in your own best interest to do it. Because you don't want your gun stolen. You don't want to just put it in some lockbox under your car that's not designed to secure it. So do the right thing. It keeps you within the law. But the answer is, yeah, you're allowed and are supposed to secure your gun in that manner. Secure it. You're allowed to do it in that parking lot of the sensitive place. And then you're covered uh, under the law for that. Now, keep in mind that this applies to all the sensitive places that we've talked about, you can read about. <clears throat> but one of the sensitive places, which is school zones and such, keep in mind that has an added prohibition in a separate section. Even though they made schools and school property and all that a sensitive place, there's a separate prohibition under a separate section of the law, under NGS 2C39-5E. And there, you can't have it on the grounds. And the exemption for sensitive places does not exempt for that other law regarding educational institutions and such that we've had well before the carry killer law was passed. So be very, very careful when it comes to schools and do not, even have your vehicle in a school parking lot that's locked in this manner. Park off the school grounds when it comes to schools. That's just an important tip I want you to be aware of. Well, folks, we have actually gone over the time because I love speaking to you and imparting this information that hopefully will save gun owners from becoming victims of New Jersey gun law because, as you know, Gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.